I'm like, don't you think they will think that's funny? She's like, no, I don't think they will think that's funny. She goes, I don't think that's very funny. But I, I alone in this room, think that's kind of funny. You know, there you go. Um, but it's true. Am I, am I right? It's true. It's so true that we don't even see how true it is. Uh, we have an acronym for this kind of thinking, right? It's called DIY, which stands for do it, do it yourself. It's like telling my dog, do it yourself, right? You go to Barnes and Nobles these days, right? Go, you should go before Amazon just totally closes them down. But if you go and you look around at all the sections, you will find a section called self-help, right? Like, you can help yourself. There, there is an American verse that goes like, you guys are looking, no, it's not, it's not that. There's an American verse that goes, God helps those who help themselves. I've been looking all over my body. I can't find it. I can't find it anywhere. But all around us, ever since we were small, pervasive in the, in the American context, is this teaching that you can do it yourself. Be self Reliant, you can even call it the gospel of self-reliance. Now here's the thing. We all come to church. And when you come to church, do you think that this teaching kind of creeps into what we do here at church? Think about it. Or in your life and in your faith, do you think this kind of teaching kind of just creeps into your faith? Do you, you think? I mean, with years and years of being taught this, surrounded in American culture that's reinforcing this, do you think it has some sort of effect? I think it does. And I, I think this is kind of the effect. I think the effect is that, you know, it might start small, but then it kind of grows. And I actually think it kind of takes over. It's just like a little bit of bacteria, but that little bit of bacteria is very, very dangerous. And it kind of, and then, and then over time, you just kind of look at your life and your, your faith and you have one of those moments of self-examination and you go, where in the world is my joy? Like maybe you're thinking, I used to be a lot more of a joy. Where is my joy? You know, I, I think this teaching has crept in and kind of robbed you. of. And then you kind of look at your, 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 your faith and what it means to you. And for some reason, when you think about your faith, you're thinking it's like this big to-do list. Like, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to try harder. And somehow the message has become try harder. And then you, you kind of look at your life in the past year, and the years go by, and you go, you know, I kind of expected to grow more, to change more. I kind of expected more to happen in terms of, like, character change and I'm not seeing it, and I'm disappointed. And so I feel like my life doesn't have the joy, it doesn't have that power, and you're going to learn, what happened? Now, no, I want you to imagine in Galatians, Paul is seeing this sort of self-reliant teaching kind of creep into a community, and he's writing this book, and, he, and he's going, no, 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 this has got to stop. This is not how God has called you to live. This is not how God has called you to live. God's word to you, the gospel is not, hey, go do, it's not go do, it's not a big do. If I could distill the gospel into like one word, just bear with me. Like I just imagine Paul going, look, the gospel is not go just get to work and try harder and do and, 
You know what the gospel is? I imagine Paul like pulling out a big chair. And I imagine Paul going, you know, the essence of the gospel. Let's go back to fundamentals. The gospel, in the essence, is not do, but it's sit. It's take a load off. It's, it's rest. Fundamentally, it's rest. It's, you know what the gospel is? It's not, it's not, it's not do. It's, go, it's actually the gospel is, it's, it's now, now watch me. This is very important. It's, the gospel in a word is, oh, that is, that is the gospel. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me point this out. You're, you are called to, to work and to do, but you understand that your work and your do needs to flow from your rest. Your do needs to flow from your sit. Your power flows from your, from your, ah. <laughs> How are you doing with the, ah, with, with the comfort and the rest and the joy that only Jesus can provide? Because I'm telling you, to, to the degree that you can sit and you learn to sit will be to the degree that you have power in life. And I'm just, I'm just saying, if you feel right now, where's the joy? Where's the power? It's probably because your power is not flowing from your rest. That's a big problem. That's why Paul wrote Galatians. And that's what we're going to unpack uh, for today. Let me just put this like right here. Okay, this is going to be the living illustration. You're always going to look at this. If you get confused where I'm going, just look at the chair, all right? All right, let's open up Galatians 2. All right, let's do Galatians 2. Uh, we're going to start at verse 15. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Um, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. All right, I want to uh, explain this. Paul's referring to himself and Peter. Now, if you look in the previous passage before this, he just corrected Peter. Now, let me explain why he corrected Peter. Peter was mixing with a community of non-Jewish believers. And they were mixing and they were having a good time and they were eating together. And they were just enjoying this unity of fellowship. It was awesome. And then, in the community came these Jewish Christians. I guess they're Christians. Um, and, and Peter was like, whoa, 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 and then he sort of, you imagine him, he was sitting and enjoying fellowship in, in, in the gospel, and then when these other people came in that I guess he was trying to impress, he kind of got up from that place of rest, and he separated himself from the Gentiles, and there were some kosher laws that were involved. And so it's kind of like you can take Peter out of the land of Moses, but it's much harder to take the Moses out of Peter. That's kind of what we see here. And it, or at least the Mosaic food laws. Verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through, and what's the next word, guys? Can we say that one more time with a little bit more confidence? In Jesus Christ, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by, what's that word? In Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one is justified. Now I, 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 want, to, I want you just to look at that sentence and uh, try to think about just some simple observations. I, I, I want to point this out. In, uh, in ancient Greek, when someone's writing something, 
how do you express that what you're writing is really, really important? Especially when you don't have, I guess you could call it the technology that we have today. So if it, you, you can't, like in ancient Greek, you can't underline, you can't put in bold, you know, you can't put like five exclamation marks, you can't increase the font size to 28. You, you just, I mean, if you're trying to say, hey, this is really important, and you're writing an ancient Greek document, how do you communicate that it's really important? Help me out here. Because I can't bold. I can't, I can't make it go bigger. What do you do? You repeat it. <laughs> if it's really important, you re- how many times does Paul repeat that? Oh, my goodness, right? And, and you know, he... I mean, all this, this uh, manuscript stuff, and it's all very expensive. And he is re- not just once, not just twice, but, but three times. Really? It's like, Paul, do you realize you just re- three times? It's that important, okay? Uh, Paul's like, look, look, if you didn't hear me the first time, here's, here's the second time. Here's the third time. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus. Not this thing, but this thing. Not this thing, but this thing. Okay, the first sentence seems to be kind of general. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be repeating the same thing. Justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. I, I want to point out that the second one seems a little bit more personal. Like we have believed. So this is like for Peter and it's we, it's personal. But he basically said the same thing. And then... Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. That seems a little bit more universal. But he just said the same thing three times. Is it really that important? Do you know Martin Luther said that this doctrine is so important that the church either stands or falls based upon this teaching? Martin Luther is a big deal. John Calvin said that this teaching is the hinge under which everything turns. An Truong said, oh, snap, this is really important. Does An say, oh, snap? I, don't, I just made that up. I don't know if he really says, oh, snap. He might. But you can imagine him saying that. Martin Luther said, it's a pastor's job to get up here and to beat it into the minds of his congregation because we need to say it again and again and again. Why? Because you've been taught something different ever since you were a small girl. Do it yourself. You can do it. Self-reliance. You can do this by your... And here, Paul's like, no, we are not going to let that creep in. We're not going to let that steal our joy. We're not going to let that steal our power. No, no, that's a different gospel. No, no. Now, okay, let me explain. (laughs) Let me explain the teaching. I'm going to try to do it as... um, as economically as I can. Justification is this. It's where God, the most important person in the universe, looks at you and finds you innocent, pleasing, righteous. And Paul is making it so clear here, you cannot earn that by obeying the law. Right? Now when he says law, it's not just ceremonial, it's not just civil, it's also moral. So in other words, Paul is saying, look, you cannot earn being approved by God and justification and heaven. 
by being really, really good. This is defying everything that we've been taught, I guess you could say, since we were kids. It defies the spirit of the American culture. It defies every religion, I dare say. This is a big deal. You can't earn it by going to church or by praying or by reading your Bible or by giving money to the poor. You can only be justified by faith in what Jesus did on that cross. Now, I just want to make this super, super clear because on Judgment Day and I'm looking at God, I want to be able to say, Lord, I really try to, as Martin Luther said, beat it into the minds of the people that I love. So can you turn next to you and just kind of beat them on the head a little bit? I'm just kidding. Can you just turn to the, someone next to you and say, you're justified by faith, period. Can you do that? With a little bit more conviction. Come on, I want to hear someone yelling at the person next to them. Yeah, you are, you are just, okay, all right, all right. Um, let, me, let me try to illustrate why a little bit. Um, last month during Christmas, I was in Connecticut. My mom was there. I was visiting my brother who lives there with his family. Uh, they have kids the same age as our kids. We're having a great time. There was one day that where my brother goes, you know, today, why don't we go for a walk around a lake? And I'm thinking that sounds pretty cool because there's not really much more we can do at your house because it was kind of cold and snowing a little bit. So we went to a lake. It was a beautiful lake. And we just started walking the lake. And if you looked at the lake, you would see that it was like kind of half frozen over. Now, I don't know what you feel or what you, what you want to do when you see a half frozen over lake. But my first impulse is to kind of run to the, the lakeside and pick up big rocks and try to throw it into the lake to kind of break the ice. That's what you would feel too, right? Some of you. And so I did that. I kind of found a way, you know, and I found to the, and I started chucking these big rocks into the, into the lake. And then my, my kids came, and then my nephew came. And then my uh, nephew, his name is Nathan. He got this really uh, good-sized rock. It actually was shaped like a brick. And then he picked it up, and he says, hey, uncle, look at this. And he, and he cocked his arm back. And the moment that he did that, all of a sudden, I heard this piercing, uh, wailing sound. Ah! You know, like that. And I'm looking at my middle son, and I'm like, what, what are you whining about now? That was honestly my first reaction. This is before coffee, right? Um, and so, uh, and, and Christopher, and he was like, ah, right? And I'm like, what's going on here? This is weird. And so I grab his hand, and I kind of peel back the fingers, and I'm forcing him open. And then what I see uh, in the eyebrow is like this crater, like this crater that was made in the flesh, and then blood is pooling in and it's dripping over his eyes like that. And you have to understand that I'm, I'm terrified and I'm, I'm confused. And what I realized happened is, is my nephew, at that moment when he said, Uncle, watch this, and he took that brick and he went back like that. My son's face, you know, happened to be in the way, right? And so that jagged edge of that brick split into his eyebrow, split it open, there was blood pouring all over the place. And um, he looks happy right there, doesn't he? Like he just got a new Pokemon card, right? I mean, but believe me, at that moment, he was not happy. And I was not happy too. And I was, I was fuming. I was mad. And then I, I, I turned to uh, Nathan and I said, Nathan, what did you do? You know? And so I was mad. And then you imagine Nathan, and, and, and then Christopher, and it's just like, this is a perfect Kwong family vacation. Isn't this... Isn't this wonderful? You know, and so basically, 
uh, when I, I was so, you guys, I was so mad. You just, sometimes you just, it, I wanted to take that brick. No, I'm not that bad, okay? I wanted, I wanted to take that brick and, and put it down. And then pick Nathan and throw him into the water. That's, that's what I wanted to do. I was so mad. Now, now you, have, you have to understand. Now, I realized at that very moment, I'm looking at Nathan. I'm sorry. And so I'm, I'm looking at him, and I, 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 had a, I, felt, I felt compassion. And I also realized something at that very moment. I realized that at that very moment, there is nothing Nathan can do to fix this situation. Everything that was going to happen next, Nathan could do nothing to help that. Not one thing. Now let me tell you what happened next. What I did is I was panicking, right? So I grabbed my son Christopher and I just started running to the car, okay? And we, we, and we got in the car and we drove up and we left Nathan behind. Um, and so and so we're driving, and then we went to urgent care, and then he got sutured up, and he was like, you know, anesthesia, and it's great. And then, and then there was an enormous hospital bill. None of that Nathan could help out with, not even just a little bit. I realized at that moment, so you know what I did? I looked down at Nathan. I realized a whole bunch of stuff is, and he can't do it. And I looked down at Nathan. I said, Nathan, Nathan, listen to me. It's going to be okay. Uncle loves you. You're forgiven. I forgive you. Christopher might be mad a little bit while, but he will eventually forgive you. But listen, I forgive you. You are going to be forgiven. And then, yeah, then we, 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 we left him at the lake. We left him at the lake. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Do you understand that you are in the same exact situation as Nathan? People don't get that. They go like, uh, can I help? Yeah, why don't you suture up Christopher? Yeah, you can do that. Why don't you try to pay for the enormous hospital bill? No, 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 no. We are in the same situation as Nathan. And so on that moment when I declared Nathan forgiven, what was Nathan to do? You know what he was called to do? He was called to receive it by faith and go, ah. You are in the same situation as Nathan. And that's why the gospel, in essence, is that God was doing what we cannot do. And our role is to receive it by faith. And when you receive it, it's a beautiful message. There's comfort, and there's rest, and there's joy, and there's power, and there's forgiveness. Are you in this place? When it comes to being approved by God, are you still striving, trying to earn it in some way? Because it just doesn't work. And if you even let one ounce of that into your faith, into your quiet time, into the reason you come to church, into like why you give to the poor or why you tithe, anything religious, if there is just one ounce of I'm trying to earn approval from God, Man, that one ounce will spoil everything. You can't earn it. Okay, Martin Luther said, I'm supposed to beat this into our collective heads. Is that, can we consider that beaten? You know, I'm going to have to remind not just you guys and me, we got to remind ourselves of this on a periodic basis. Why? Because it goes against everything we've been taught since we've been kids. 
and because of the human condition, self-reliance just keeps on creeping in. And we got to be actively fighting it. Now, you need to understand that in this uh, scripture where Paul says three times a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, there's, there's basically two topics that Paul is covering. One is justification. The second one is life change. Uh, I do believe that starting in verse 17 all the way to 20, uh, Paul is covering sort of a different topic, but it's, it's very similar. It's related. But really the question is fundamentally, how do people grow? How do people change? Now, I'm just wondering if there's anyone here in this, in this room who feels like, I, I'm looking at my life in the past few years. I'm not really that impressed with how much I've grown. And if that's you, I think this next word is totally, totally for you. Um, from, from verse 17, Paul kind of loads up the question. He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Okay, that's the question. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Now, I really believe that's the question also because if you follow the Roman argument, this is where Paul goes and this is the objection, the question that Paul raises. And so, Paul is sort of talking about how people change here. But, but I, want you, I want to rephrase the question. I want you to imagine someone in the pew stands up and they hear this teaching that you can't earn being justified. You can't earn it. And they go, oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I, there's a big problem with this. And you're like, well, what's the problem? And this person says, well, hold it, hold it. The very reason why I'm here at church is because, you know, I was thinking that if I came, God would be pleased with me. Now, if you take away that motivation, Pastor Andrew, I'm not going to come to church anymore. (laughs) I've been having a lot of quiet times. I even fasted and prayed. And there was kind of this thinking like, if I do this, God will be pleased with me. God will, I will be approved. Now, if you take that away, I'm not going to pray or read my Bible or be nice to my kids or anything like that. I'm just going to be nasty, right? (laughs) Now, I, I know people won't say that, but there's this kind of thinking, right? And, and the, the thinking is like, well, hold it. If, if you take this motivation away, then what's going to keep good people from going wild, right? Fundamentally, how, how do people change? What is the right motivation? Well, I, I think Paul is, is going to address that. And uh, I, I think he addresses it right in verse 20. So I'm just going to go right to t- verse 20. Now, I, I love these verses. I just feel like if you really took this to heart, if you really believed what verse 20 is saying, oh, man, you would live such a powerful life. I, I feel like if there's people here and like, yeah, I'm not, I don't see a lot of, then I would actually challenge you and say it's probably because you don't believe verse 20. It's probably, it's not, it's not that you don't have enough willpower. It's not that you have to discover a new power out there. It's more that you don't know the power that God has already given you inside yourself. Okay, let me explain. All right, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I think actually there's a lot of Paul saying this about himself. I think it would be pretty powerful if we actually say that about ourselves. Can you repeat after me? I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he goes, the life I live in the flesh, I live by, what's the word, by the way, guys? Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, Paul, notice here, he's talking about, I, I believe he's talking about life change. Paul doesn't say anything about do this, you got to do this, you got to have a quiet time, you got to pray, you got to read the Bible, you got to do this, you got to fast. None of that. What does he say? He's talking about the deep unity that every believer has in Christ, the deep unity that you have in Christ. Basically, Paul is saying, look, when Christ died on that, cro- on that cross, I died along right there with him, and so did you. Every selfish impulse, every impulse of a me, 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 it's about my life, about self-reliance, about this life for me, it all died, it all went away. It was all, it was all killed at the cross with Jesus. Do you believe that happened? Now, he also says that, you know, and you know something? When, D, when Jesus rose from the grave, that new life in me also rose with him. I'm with him. You know, we use that slogan for something else politically. I'm with, you know. Basically, Paul is saying, I'm with him. What happened to him happened to me, and it happened to you. Do you know that? Are you aware of that? I'm not talking about willpower. I'm not saying try harder. The word is, do you understand the power that was released to you when Jesus died and rose again and it's living inside it? Christ is inside you now. And if we're not living in that power, it's probably because we're not doing what Paul was doing when he said, I live by faith. This power is accessed not by trying harder, but by having faith. Re- recently, I was uh, at a burial side funeral. It was for a, a member of our church that we, we dearly loved. And, and I get the privilege of being, being there. Uh, my, my mom, God bless her, she's, she's still alive and hopefully for many years. Um, but one of those moments, I guess it only comes like once in a lifetime when your own parents pass away. But as a pastor, I get to be there and to see it more often than other people. And so this is what happened. There is a, a dear member of our church, and she passed away, and she was cremated. And then her ashes were, were put into uh, a beautiful urn, and then it was put into a beautiful box. And then the, the box was just, it was, it was kind of lowered into the ground. And so it was a very small kind of funeral, and we were, were paying respects, and we were, we were saying goodbye. And I was, I was there because I was sort of officiating, and I was looking at the box in the ground, and uh, I was looking at the people who were grieving, and there was a, you know, a lot of different thoughts that were going through my mind. Like one thought that was going through my mind was like, uh, there's a lot of people, and someone very precious to them died, and I, I want to I comfort them. And then I was also thinking about some of the things that were shared, because this woman was an amazing woman of God's word, and I didn't know that. She was, like, really involved in BSF and CBS and inviting all these people to come. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that, and now I know that because of the funeral. And then I'm looking at the box, and then suddenly, suddenly, I had, a, I had one of those moments. Uh, I was looking at the box, and all of a sudden, it went, boom. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And I thought, 
I was like, one day, I'm going to be in the box. It was just one of those moments, like, and then I was thinking all the people I know, like, all the people that I love are one day going to be in a box. And it was just a, a mind-blowing thought. Like, and then one day I'll be in there and my kids will be on top just walking around and, you know, making up nice things to say about me, you know. No one did that. I'm just saying that my kids would do that is what I was just saying. Um, and, uh, and at that moment, there was a thought that came to, that, that came to my mind. And at that moment, I heard this voice, and it said, that's okay. Let's make this life count for Jesus. And then everything inside me was like, yeah. (laughs) Now, now I don't know if if you think, what I'm telling you is if you step back and look at my life, you would know that is really weird. I mean, if you look at how, self, how my, my life and how naturally I just, it's all about me, it is so weird for me to go, yeah, 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 all my life I want to be about God. I want to glorify him. That is just weird. Do you know that this voice, this drive, this new life, this new person, Jesus himself, is inside you? Saying, let's make this life count for Jesus. Do you, do you know that? Do you recognize it? It doesn't come from you. But it's inside you. And it's working in resurrection power so that you will not be the same again. I, I think our problem is, is, is that we don't even know that that power is working inside us. Our problem is faith. Where's your faith? Do you know that when he died, the selfish, you and me, died with him? Do you know that when he rose again, that new life is working inside you, and you need to follow it? You need to be aware of it, and you need to believe in it. Do you? Really, I think the unifying thought that binds this passage together is faith. It's faith, right? You can't earn salvation. You are justified by faith. The life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. So let me ask you another question. What is faith? What does God mean when he's calling us to have faith? Well, I thought of a cool way to explain it. And really, I'm going to explain it, and then I'm out. Can you guys stand up? Can we have everyone stand up? All right. I just want to ask you a question. Like, when you came to church today, I'm thinking you probably didn't think about a lot of things, um, and you just kind of went with it. Did you ever wonder, like, why, like, when you come to church, why we give you a seat and you, you... the, primarily during the worship service, like at least during the, the worship part, you're sitting. You ever wonder that? Like why is it on Sunday morning, why, why don't we go over to my house and pull weeds? You know, that, that would be really cool to do on Sunday morning. Or why, why don't you come here and just stand during the whole service? You'd probably be more attentive if you stood, right? Why sit down? And the answer obviously is to, to give you rest and comfort. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. 
But now, I, what I want you to do is I want you to look at your, uh, I want you to look at your seat. Just look, look back, look at your seat. Just, I just want you to analyze it. There, there's something else that you did uh, to this seat right here when you came down here. I don't know if you even, if you know, even know that you uh, did this. But b- before you sat down and had comfort and rest from your weary journey here, before you did that, you did something. You trusted the seat and you surrendered yourself to it, Right? No, let me give you an example. No one, when they sat down, was like, oh, I don't know if, if oh, you know, no one did that, right? No one did that. They, they just gave themselves to the seat. Why? Now, now how many of you during, uh, like, the holidays kind of let go a little bit? You let go a little bit. You, you, let, you put on a little something, a little something right here, right around here, right? That was me. I, I did three pounds, right? How, how do you know that that seat, that pew really would have held you up? Now. Was there a doubt in your mind that you know, this whole pew could just collapse, right? Uh, but wait, what did you do? You trusted the pew to hold your stuff. And then you gave yourself to the pew, right? Now, th- this happens in life all the time. To become a Christian, you got to do this. To sustain being a Christian, you got to do this. To the old justification and be improved by God, you, you got to do this. Even the Christian life where you're growing and changing, you, you got to do this. So my question to you is, what is God calling you to do in faithing, in completely trusting him and surrendering to him and then letting go? What is it? Now, I, I want you, you get your stead on your seat, and I want you to just do this with me. We're going to sit down and when we're going to sit down, we're just going to, com- we're just going to like trust. We're going to, we're going to commit to it, right? And then, and then if, when you feel right, I want you guys to go, ah, okay? We're all going to do this together, okay? All right? We're going to commit to that pew, all right? Ready? You trust the pew? All right, let's go. And, ah, Lord, what are you calling us to completely trust and surrender to you? And this is where we pray. Pray with me. Father, you have called us to live a life of faith. You have shown us that the most awesome things in life come from this place of resting and trusting in you. We want to be powerful. We want to be justified. But it's all accessible through faith. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak very specifically to your people and telling telling them what you're calling them to completely trust and let go of. And I do pray, Father, that we would experience the divine that only comes from your gospel of grace. In Jesus' name we pray.